0: Pastor Ray Bentley introduces today's study called Choose.
1: Every human being has been given a will, has been given the ability to choose who you will serve, who you will trust, who you will be in relationship with. But you know what? You are eternal. So be careful who and what and how you choose and whom you choose to serve because you're going to live with that forever. Spread the news,
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. One trip down the supermarket aisle reinforces the fact that we're faced with truckloads of choices each day. Some foods we eat can make us strong, others, not so much. Today, we'll take a look at life's choices from the spiritual perspective. And Pastor Ray helps us to choose wisely.
1: Let's open our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. So I've got five life lessons we're gonna pull out of the text here. Here's the first one, the chosenness of Israel. That's how we begin verses one through four, the chosenness of Israel and us. I'm gonna tie it into us as believers today. So verse one, chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And at Shechem he called for the elders of Israel, the heads, judges, officers. They presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. And then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. So as he gathers all of these uh, leaders here and he, he, he talks about their heritage and their history, Shechem is the perfect location for the farewell address by Israel's great leader, Joshua. Why? Well first of all it was at Shechem that God promised to Abraham and his descendants that they would inherit this land. Uh, It is there in Shechem that Jacob also his grandson built an altar to the Lord. Shechem is also where there were two mountains Mount Ebal on one side Mount Gerizim on the other and the whole nation half went on this mountain half on that mountain and shouted to one another the commitment that they were making to the Lord for the promised land. That's back in Joshua chapter eight. So Shechem is indeed holy crowned. And it's a great place that at Shechem, they recommitted themselves to the Lord. Abraham also, What what is saying here is that God revealed himself to Abraham. And he called him out of Ur, out of Iraq to come follow him and God would show him where he would go. In the book of Acts chapter seven, Stephen was a young man, right after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This young man literally, it says his face began to shine and and it was like the face of an angel. He began to preach to the Jewish people about Jesus. And in Acts chapter seven, he said the God of glory revealed himself or appeared to Abraham is reminding the Jewish people of their national identity and that it was an act of God's grace. In other words, it's not that Abraham sought God and found him and discovered him. No, it was God who came searching and found Abraham and revealed himself to Abraham. And Jesus said this to his disciples in the Gospel of John. He said, you did not choose me, but I Have chosen you and appointed you. Now this is a great mystery, but I want to share with all of you, if you're a follower, lover, and believer in Jesus Christ, it's not like you found Him or you discovered Him. He pursued you. He chased you. He followed you. He opened our eyes. He revealed Himself to us. When? were we chosen? We find out in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, before the foundation of the world. God takes the first step in our salvation and in our eternal relationship. So the beginning of Joshua's message is, guys, we've been chosen by God. And it is true that the Jewish people are the chosen people of God. But the moment you say they're chosen and you're standing over here, you're like, well, you know, what's that all? So what about me, right? They're chosen? Well, what about us? I love it that, in, and this is my understanding of the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. When God began with and chose Abraham, and through him, you know, the Jewish people, obviously through whom the Messiah would come, that's not where the chosenness ends. It's where it began. Because God said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's why we read in the New Covenant, and when Jesus comes to us, guess what? The church are also the chosen of God. A Jew or a Gentile, the whole world from every nation, every language, every kindred, and every tribe. We're all chosen in Christ. If you're in Jesus, then you are chosen. Okay, let's go to the next life lesson quickly. God is our deliverer, and therefore he is worthy to be praised. Listen to what Joshua goes on to say, beginning in verse 5. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. And then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers uh, with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. They were going to take them and kill them. But verse 7, so they cried out to the Lord... And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, some 40 years. So what he is saying is, look, God sent Joseph down to Egypt to preserve the nation during a time where God knew a great famine was coming to the whole world. And then he sent Moses and Aaron to deliver the nation from bondage. Now, amazingly, God used Joseph, who had divine insight from God. He was able to tell Pharaoh, and through Pharaoh, the whole Egyptian nation, famine is coming. You need to make preparations. You need to get ready for this. The creator of the universe has revealed it to me. So amazingly, Egypt was saved from starvation. Uh, because of the Jewish people, this young man named Joseph. Uh, but when Joseph died and he passed away, they forgot about Joseph and another pharaoh arose. And they said, wow, what do we do with all these people? Let's make them our servants and our slaves. And they made them bond slaves. And they made their lives bitter. And it got worse and worse and worse. How long? 400 years. And yet, this was all a part of God's divine plan. This is what God had prophesied to Abraham centuries before. He told him, this is what's going to happen to your people and with your people, but I have a purpose and I have a plan. Because when God delivered them from that bondage and slavery, he opened the eyes of many Egyptians so that there was a vast multitude that went with them. And I tell you this, why? Because God loves the people of Egypt. Isaiah prophesies that in the last days, God calls Egypt my people. God loved all the people of that entire region. But he did judge their false gods, and he set up their Gods like idols and knocked them down through the ten plagues, through signs and wonders. And God then instructed his people after he delivered them, and, and now they're free for the first time in 400 years. He said, Now every year on the same date, you shall have a meal with your family and with your children, and we'll call it Passover. And that's the whole story, you know, when the firstborn of every family up to Pharaoh would would die unless they had blood of a lamb spotless on the doorposts and lintel beams. That was the gospel. That That was all a prelude to the lamb, Jesus, whose blood sprinkled on the door of our hearts and judgment passes over us and we are saved. So that is just wonderful. Let's go on to the next life lesson found in verses 8 through 10. I love this one. Whom God determines to bless, no one can curse. It says in verse 8, And I, I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you. But I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose, and he also went to make war against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But listen to what the Lord says, I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Now the enemies of Israel, you know, they literally Egypt was the superpower of that time. And they got knocked flat, not by the Hebrew army, but by the living God. So then they're knocking down this tribe and they're knocking down that people and finally the inhabitants and the enemies of Israel realize something supernatural going on here because they're not really that sophisticated they don't have the kind of arms that we have. They keep winning. It's in the realm of the supernatural. The only way we will be able to defeat them is to get supernatural help to bring Israel down. So they sought out a seer, a mystic, a medium, from ancient times, a very interesting character named Balaam, but when Balaam opened his mouth and began trying to curse Israel, God turned his tongue and he ended up blessing them even more. They're gonna be bigger, they're gonna grow, they're gonna multiply, they're gonna be awesome, they're gonna go, stop, stop, hey, we paid you money. He goes, I know, I'm sorry, but I try, and then God just takes my mouth and I can't do anything but just bless them even bigger than they already are. And that's what God did.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was a very kind and friendly pastor. He will be greatly missed. He, of
1: course, is enjoying the full essence of God's glory. We will see him again someday. Heavenly Father... Please bless his wife, family, and church members in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Prayers and messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: Now, here's an interesting thing that I want to share with you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We're in the first few pages of the Bible, first few paragraphs of the Bible, the whole story of Adam and Eve, and then the deception of the serpent, and the beguiling of Eve, and the eating of the forbidden fruit, and Adam. And so sin enters into the world. So God sets things straight, and it's very interesting what He says here, because this may be the first prophecy really about the Messiah, a Savior, through the seed of the woman. This might be the the first gospel reference in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. Let's read it out loud. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Very simply, what this is saying is that the first of all, the devil uh, is a father. Did you know that? And fathers have offspring. When we read in the Gospels and in the New Testament, Jesus looked at certain people, and they were even in the religious crowd. He said, I know who you are. You are of your father, the devil. And he is the father of all lies and of all deception. So, But then there's gonna be a salvation through the seed of the woman. That's speaking of miracle. Women don't have seed. That's the incarnation. That's the virgin birth. That's where God came to Mary and the Messiah was supernaturally born. But now God is saying, I'm putting enmity between Jesus and his family and the devil and his family. And you will bruise his heel. That serpent's gonna come up and bite the Messiah with its fangs and toxin and poison, and that speaks of the cross. But because of who he is, once that serpent bites his heel, Jesus will lift his heel with that serpent as he raises from the dead and crush the serpent's head once and for all. And let me tell you something, that battle between Jesus And the serpent has already happened. It happened 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is the winner. When he rose from the dead, he crushed Satan's head. It's done. It is finished. We live in victory to this very day and hour. Now, if you have a pen or pencil, underline that word enmity. God says there's going to be enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed the devil's seed, and her seed. That word enmity, in the Hebrew language, is the strongest Hebrew word for hatred. God created this kind of hatred, not Satan. Satan twists it, he tries to make us hate other people, or hate ourselves, or hate God. But God put hatred between Satan and the seed and the salvation that is part of the family of God. We must learn to direct this God-given hatred at sin and at Satan, where it really belongs. So we need to learn to hate what God hates and love what God loves. Now, in that, we hate sin because of what it's like, hating toxin, hating poison, hating all of the evil and abuse. Never hating human beings because all human beings were made in the image and after the likeness of God. And even in their fallen state, they retain something of that image. Therefore, there is always the potential for them being saved and born again. So we love people and we love even sinners. But at the same time, we have a totally different view towards sin and the lies of Satan. So uh, let's go to the next life lesson. (laughs) This is very short and very simple. God does it all. Look with me in verse 11. He says, And then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. There we go again, more fighting. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand." Notice he says, I deliver them in your hand. Verse 12, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, uh, but not with your sword or with your bow. It wasn't your military might. And again, how did it happen? How did they win? Verse 13, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, and you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. God is saying, I did everything. God is reminding the people that they had not worked for this land. They didn't build the houses. They didn't plant the vineyards. Everything they had, they owed to God. God had done it all. And may I also say, God even loved, even though he judged the Canaanites, God loved them what had happened is they had devolved and become literally infested with demonic attitudes, thinking, traditions, and rituals. The worst of which was you could be a married Canaanite and have your wife and your little son and daughter and your family and your orchards and it's all wonderful and then on the weekend you go out to the cultic priestesses which are prostitutes and you have sexual relations with them and then you have, they get pregnant and they have children. Well, hey, they're not part of my family. I'm not dividing my inheritance with these. What do we do with these little babies conceived out here in the, in the forests and the trees? Oh, those have to be sacrificed to the God. So they made their gods, which are idols, which are demons out of stone. Then they would put a fire beneath them so that they became red, white, hot, and they took those little babies and melted them on the stone idols that's what i'm talking about and talk about is god patient the same patience of god that used to purge and purify israel in egypt for 400 years is the same 400 years of patience god showed to the canaanites and there was a point there was a line where god said i've had it no more i'm done you're out But he still loved the people because he saved a man named Caleb. Caleb was a Canaanite. He's from one of those tribes. God loved him. And Caleb and Joshua were really together. And God loved the Moabites. And he took a young woman named Ruth, so he redeemed them. He let the culture and the demonic practices burn to the ground, but he saved and redeemed because God is a lover. God is a saver. God is a deliverer. And God does everything. All their blessings have been given to them by the hand of God. And this is also true for every one of our blessings. Everything that you have has been given to you from the Lord. And you say, yeah, but I'm smart. Well, who made you smart? Yeah, but I have this ability. Who gave you that ability? Everything you have. The Bible says, what do you have that you did not receive or that you were not given? So we we need to acknowledge all of these things have been given to us by the Lord. To God therefore be the glory. We don't worship ourselves or make ourselves little idols. We say no, everything I have came from my daddy in heaven and I honor my father and I thank him for all that I have. (laughs) To God be the glory, great things he has done. And finally, the last life lesson, and it summarizes kind of the whole message, choose this day whom you will serve. Every human being has been given a will, has been given the ability to choose. All of you, you you get to choose who you will serve, who you will trust, who you will be in relationship with. So he says, choose this day whom you will serve, and then you have to live with the choice you make, not just for this brief little earthly existence, but because you're made in God's image, You know, I gotta tell you straight up, you are eternal. Your spirit is going to have existence and consciousness for eternity. So be careful who and what and how you choose and whom you choose to serve because you're gonna live with that forever. And so in verse 14, here's what Joshua said. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord Serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord! This is preached with passion from Joshua, their leader. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites. You want to go back and serve them? Okay in whose land you dwell. But, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If they didn't choose to worship the true and the living God, they would end up worshiping the false gods, idols, demons, and traditions of the wicked nations of Canaan. They would eventually then be defeated as well, and they would lose everything that they had. But the point, why does he say, choose this day whom you will serve? The point is, you cannot do both. Listen to me, you cannot serve the Lord, I I want to go to heaven, who doesn't? And the devil and his idols. And that's what many have tried to do. Why? some things I like about the Bible and God and heaven, who doesn't want that, but kinda some things I like about what the devil has, and they try to, they don't consciously do it, but they try to merge those two things together. It doesn't work with God. Uh, You have to choose whom you will serve. You cannot do both. Here's what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will worship only the Lord, and Him only, and alone we will serve. I hope that's the choice all of us made. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley,
0: with good encouragement today from our studies in Joshua. Glad you've joined us here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled simply, Choose. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. And also click the word MEDIA, and you'll see the words WATCH, RADIO, and DEVO. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights, via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books there as well. His final book is The Days of Noah, a Prophetic Fiction Novel part of the Elijah Chronicle series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Joshua. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.